0: Thank you so much. So when you are fasting, when you are cold, uh, you are activating these defense mechanisms that are not only designed to keep you safe in that moment, but they provide longevity benefits as well. So we know that people who don't eat all day long, um, who engage in uh, things like you know cold showers or prolonged fasting, they tend to live longer. Uh, so these are some things that I would be encouraging people when we're thinking about You know, doomsday, like body doomsday preparation. It's -hmm. about getting back to some of these foundational basics sleep, exercise, fasting proper nutrition. Of course, community is also a really big part of that. Welcome back to The Better Podcast with yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima. This show is for high-performing women who want better bodies, better minds, better relationships, better sex, and better families, and want to hear from a woman that can take the complex science and make it easy to integrate into everyday life. Every week, I'll be giving you access to world-class scientists, medical doctors, plastic surgeons, professional athletes, Olympic gold medalists, Hollywood actors, parenting coaches, sex experts, and psychologists. I am always looking to answer this question. What are the simplest things that we can do today to get better tomorrow? I am part geek, part magic, and it is my mission to be the voice for women. Let's get better together. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another edition of Better with Dr. Stephanie. I am your host, Dr. Stephanie Estima. Today, I wanted to bring you another episode on SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19, otherwise known as the coronavirus. And this was an Ask Me Anything episode that we had planned to, we had scheduled for a while with Stephanie Major, my co-host, and myself. But this time we decided to flip the script and really just go into a lot of the details in terms of what we know about SARS-CoV-2, its mechanism of action, how it gains access into the cells, why it's different from influenza, why it's even different from the SARS epidemic that we saw in 2003. And we started, I made a very relatively few strong comments on people who are not practicing social distancing or who are minimizing lethality and the severity of this situation. With love, of course, as I often do, uh, and and with data because that's how you win. <laughs> so talked about that and wanted to really go over. So this is a little bit technically heavy in terms of talking about ACE2 receptor sites and uh, receptor, uh, angiotensin receptor blockers and how the um, how the proteins gain access and fuse to the cells, etc. cetera. So there's parts of it that are technically heavy, but nothing that you can't handle. And I've also put A lot of information in the show notes for you. So if you want to use the show notes to get you through that part, you just go to bettershow.co forward slash show notes, S H O W N O T E S, show notes. And that will have studies that I have linked out to and as well as charts and resources for you. So this is really just best practices and information that I am accruing as it is becoming available. And then after we get through some of that technicality in terms of why SARS-CoV-2 is important and why you need to be making it a priority, we get into a question around, so we talk about the germ, we talk about the virus, we talk about its virility and why it's important to pay attention to it. And then we get into a conversation around the host, meaning you how we can make you the biggest, the baddest, the strongest, the most resilient, both in terms of your mindset and in terms of your cellular machinery and your cellular capacity, how we can start thinking about doing things that will grow your resistance muscles. And I don't mean your musculoskeletal system, although we do discuss resistance training and exercise, But I mean, this is not going to be the first time that we are ever going to encounter resistance or we are ever going to encounter things that are difficult. So we talk about lifestyle medicine and healthful practices that you can be implementing right now for the immediate term. So what you can do right now to help with prolonging as much as you can the time between now and if you were to contract the coronavirus or SARS-CoV-2. And then we talk about things like things you should be eating how you should be thinking about fasting, because my fasting recommendations are very different during this time. We talk about um, supplements that you can be taking. We talk about resistance training. We talk about sleep. And I talk about what I'm doing with my kids, how I'm getting them to hand wash. Um, And I hope that you'll enjoy uh, the question that I asked them to get them to scrub. They are scrubbing their hands like pros right now. So... Uh, stick around. That's towards the end of our conversation, and really, this is just uh, more about information. Getting you the information that I want and need you to have in terms of why we take that we should be taking this seriously. And Florida, I'm looking at you uh, right now. So please uh, take hold of this message and really this is just about how I can be serving you in this time. So our podcast schedule is a little disrupted. We are going to be releasing this. Today is Thursday, so I'm going to hope to get this out in the next day or two to you. And. I am looking for your feedback. So you can reach me on Instagram. I am at Dr. Stephanie Estima, or you can reach me on Facebook. I'm active on both platforms and you can tell me what it is that you need and I will make sure that I am trying to prepare content and serve you during this time. Because as long as we are over-prepared, that will help precede us from falling into panic. So without further ado, please enjoy this special AMA with Stephanie Major and myself on SARS-CoV. Such, cart. Don't be fooled by the frigid temperatures, keeping hydrated in the wintertime is super important. free. If you head over to drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Estima, you'll see that exclusive offer at the bottom of the page. That's dot com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And tell me which of the chocolate melody you love the best. So I have my hostess with the mostess, Stephanie Major, alongside with me. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. I love, we can't be together in person, but you know, I feel your energy
1: even through um, a call like this. So I'm so glad that we can have a discussion today. And I get to see, I get to see your face and have that connection with you because I'm, I'm really missing it. I'm sure a lot of people are feeling the same way with people that they love, but yeah, get on a video call with them because even just seeing you right now, just lit me up. So I'm really excited to have this this conversation with you. I haven't
0: seen you in so we were complaining the last AMA. We were like, we haven't seen each other for two weeks. This is the longest. And now I think this is actually gonna be the record because I haven't seen you now, I think in person for two weeks.
1: Right. Um and it doesn't look
0: like it's gonna be stopping anytime soon.
1: Yeah, and we're pretty lucky because we have other I'm really thankful that I have my daughters in the house. So there is that human connection because yesterday when I went for a run, it was almost bizarre to see other people. I, I went for a run. Everyone was staying very far away from each other, but it was bizarre to see other humans. But what I really liked that instead of doing the courtesy, you know, the neighborly nods, just like a no smile, yeah. kind of just a nod. Yeah. yeah. There and, you are. Nod.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Um, it was people really looking at each other in the eye and smiling and just knowing, hey, we're, we're all in this together. Like maybe we're not connected and we're not, gathering in the same places, but let's take that moment to connect. And I thought that was really special.
0: I think that's really great. And I think that we are all Mm -hmm. being reminded of our, how delicate life really is and, uh, and our humanity and how much connection really does matter. And there's like, a. you know, there's been a couple of memes like, man, what a year this, this week has been, eh? You know, <laughs> like, in, you know, two weeks from now, we're going to know everyone's hair color and, you know, all this kind of mm-hmm. silliness. But I think at the end of the day, we, we are really realizing how much we depend on each other, how intertwined mm-hmm. we, really, um, we really are. So thank you. Uh, thank you for that observation and for sharing that. How are your kids feeling? What
1: are, what are they feeling?
0: Yeah, they're they're good. I have, um, as you know, I have very sensitive children. They're very mm-hmm. empathic. So my little one in particular, he's seven, he's been asking about coronavirus and what happens if you get it and are we going to die? And, you know, so he's, he's, um, mm-hmm. he's been, he was hearing about it from his peers before school was canceled. And we've yeah. been very uh, over we've been taking a lot of precautions to not discuss it at the at the dining at, you know at the dinner table and whenever right. i'm trying to relay information to giovanni about things that i've researched or things that i've you know new understandings which we're going to talk about today i'm we've we've been in the bathroom sometimes talking about it with the door locked cuz i don't want the kids constantly hearing mm-hmm. about it i mean this has hijacked the world's attention and mm-hmm. i think that they don't have the uh, they don't have the capacity to understand the severity, and I don't want them to just go to, well, what if my mom dies, or what if my dad dies, or what if yeah, yeah, die, her, my grandmother dies, or whatever. So, we've been very careful about trying to lower the the noise and the and the talk about it in the house. But they're definitely mm-hmm. when we talk about gratitude. We have this gratitude practice I've mentioned it a couple of times to you, uh, and I've mentioned it on the podcast a few times in the evening when we're sitting around at dinner, we say, "What are three things that you're grateful for and um last night it was, "I'm grateful that we don't have the coronavirus, and I'm grateful that we can stay in the house so that we don't get sick Aww. you know so it's still weighing it's yeah. still weighing on them, um but we're yeah. trying to be r- vigilant in terms of the information that's being shared yeah, that's yeah. right,
1: so I have. I have teenagers at home, so the interesting challenge was when I really made that decision to social distance, I had to have that conversation with my 16-year-old who socializing at that age is, is their entire That's life. life.
0: That is life at 16. And, yeah. yeah.
1: And so um, I'm very grateful for Jennifer Kalari, which I know, you, know you've had on the podcast because I, yeah. I had to use the calm technique because my first instinct was, well, if you go out there, you can never come back and you're going to bring you know, and I started to panic and I thought, yeah. you know what? That's not what she needs right now. Mm-hmm. So we had a really beautiful conversation and I just mirrored back everything that she was feeling like, yeah, it sucks. You love seeing your friends. You need to see your friends. It's so important to see your friends. I want to see my friends too. And then, uh, and then it, it evolved into a conversation of, well, you know what? This is the decision that I'm making, and I need you to be on board with it, with me, because there's, if I'm making the decision for myself and for my younger daughter, you have to be on board because if, there's no point if we're not all doing it together. Yeah. And please do this for me. And, you know, ever since that conversation on Sunday or Monday, it's been, it's been really nice. We're getting into the groove of things of being home and Mm -hmm. being together and making family TikToks and, you know, playing video games that they normally wouldn't have been able to play. And we're cooking together. So I'm I'm really grateful that they're, they're in this with me and that we're practicing this together.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. And I I wanted to do this I wanted to have this conversation with you because I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about, you know, I've been a really big advocate this entire time around being over prepared, so ha- being armed with information and being able to arm your home and setting up your home in the case of uh, social distancing, like you and I are both practicing, or okay. in the more extreme case, if you are quarantined or if the mm-hmm. city goes on lockdown. And I have. Uh, some friends in, in Puerto Rico who I've been in contact with over text who, you know, Puerto Rico is completely shut down now. So you cannot, it's mm-hmm. a 24 seven shut down. You cannot leave the home unless you are going to the grocery store for, or it's, it's a medically necessary trip and you can be fined. And it is very much a, um, you know, some are calling it a police state. And, uh, you know, yeah. we can talk a little bit about uh, about that. But I have, uh, and we'll link to this in the show notes, the list a couple nights ago was like seven o'clock. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to publish another article on Medium and let's put together a quarantine list. Let's put together a mm-hmm. list of what you need in the home. if. You know, we're we're in Toronto, and we have you know the schools are shut down right now. I think museums are closed. Like most yep. government offices are closed. I think the public public transit is still running, but what we have to be prepared for is mm-hmm. and is is the is the eventuality if it if it comes uh, to fruition that if things do completely shut down, you do have to have a. Uh, a self sustaining hamlet at least for the at least for the short term yeah. and um, yeah. and like i 've been saying, there is absolutely no downside risk to being overprepared other than maybe some mm-hmm. mockery from your friends and i 've had uh, medical professionals that i 've been in uh, discussions with uh, natural health uh, professional mm-hmm. professionals who do not share my opinion in terms of the severity of this and um, it 's been interesting over the last week to really see there's two main camps, right? There's two sort of uh, groups that people can fall under. One is this is really serious and it's going to get worse and we need to take drastic measures right now, which is the camp Mm -hmm. that I firmly fall under. And then there's this other camp where it's like, well, it's not really that big of a deal. Let's look at the mortality rates with influenza. Let's look at the morbidity rates and the mortality rates of of SARS-CoV-2, which is now the appropriate name for the coronavirus, because we know coronaviruses are, there's many different types, but this particular um, outbreak is SARS-CoV-2. So they are looking at this and saying, well, it's not really that big a deal. It's going to pass. And um, there's some fallacies in that thinking. And I wanted to you know, especially for the listeners that have been following me, I have been really trying to up my game in terms of getting information out to people. So I thought what we could do, uh, if there's, if you think this is a good idea, is really just talk about the Mm -hmm. pathophysiology of the disease, because this is something that I have been, uh, literally, I'm like, I refresh PubMed like several times a day. And I'm looking for new reports that are coming out of China, um, to see what the, uh, what the protocol has been, what has worked, what hasn't worked. Um, we're seeing a lot of traditional Chinese medicine that's being implemented there, which is really nice to see alongside of the allopathic interventions, like the medicines and stuff mm-hmm. that they're using. Um, so I wanted to maybe go over why it's different from, the, from influenza, like the traditional flu, and even how it differs from the last SARS outbreak, which was in 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I mentioned on the last episode. Uh, I was an intern at the time and I was quarantined because I was interning at a hospital um, where there was a a case, a confirmed case of SARS-CoV at the time. So I ended up missing Mm. uh, final exams. Like it was my radiology final and I missed a couple other things uh, because I wasn't allowed to leave my home. Um, And at the time I was rolling my eyes and like Whatever this is so stupid now I have to like take my radiology final in the summer versus you know in March or whenever it was, and yeah. um and um yeah, so i I wanted to talk a little bit about why this is different, why the morbidity rate is different and um and we can talk a little bit about mortality as well. Uh, I think that that might be useful, especially I mean you and I were on a call. Uh, a couple of days ago, with some of the most brilliant minds in in business, like these mm-hmm. were, you know, mm-hmm. you could argue that these were like the most successful business owners uh, in the country, yeah. uh, and they didn't really understand th- their businesses were still open. They were still going out in the public. They were almost there was one uh, person in particular who was almost like rolling his eyes around. There's only one case in my town, and um, yeah. and it's not his. It's not his fault. It's just it's I think not, that there's, yeah it's just he doesn't understand like he doesn't understand the science why would he um and then when you get these opposing views you know if you li- mm-hmm. if you happen to listen to someone who's like oh it'll pass oh look it's getting better in china oh look it's right. you know then there can be this kind of skewed uh, perception on the severity of the disease
1: no i love that we're going to talk about this because out of my own mouth i've said to you a couple of days ago i'm lucky to have private conversations with you i said you know what, I would rather almost just get it so that I'm not living in fear and I've had the flu before. So Mm -hmm. what if I just had it and then I just got over it and then I'm not living, you know, looking around the corner for this dark monster that's going to get me. Right. And so I would love to, to for you to speak on, you know, why this is different. And I was pregnant at the time for my oldest daughter, Jade, during SARS. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have it you know, it was a completely different thing than it is now. So I would also love to hear why why it's different. What what's the difference between then? Why weren't we why didn't it um, Happened this way? Why weren't we quarant- everyone quarantined then, or practicing social distancing then? Mm-hmm. So I'm all f- I'm excited. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to fall forward into my laptop, listening to you <laughs> speak about this.
0: Awesome. <laughs> all right. So uh, first thing I'll say is this is going to be kind of dense, technically dense. So the show notes are really going to help you here. If you are somebody who really wants to understand why this is different, I am going to be building out the show notes uh, as much as I can with references, uh, with papers, uh, with diagrams, if I can, um, just to help you understand what this is. So if this is seeming like it is a little bit technically dense, then the show notes will really help you out here. So a couple things, um, the outbreak in 2003, and this particular outbreak. Uh, so we're calling the you know the outbreak in 2003 is SARS-CoV. This is SARS-CoV-2. Now the big uh, difference here is the infectiousness of the disease of the of the virus, and I'll explain a little bit. I'll sort of break that down for you. So when we're looking at SARS-CoV-2, uh, SARS-CoV-2 the current uh, viral outbreak. What we know about it is that it gains entry to the cell, uh, and there's a particular cell that it is uh, that it will bind to. This is called the ACE two receptor. so this is the angio, for those of you that want to know what ACE two stands for angiotensin converting enzyme. So it will bind to this receptor and it will gain access to the cell, and then it can use the cell's machinery to uh, to propagate to replicate itself now. When we think about the ACE two, why that 's significant is we see ACE two receptors and we see uh, this ACE two in abundance in the lung. Uh, so we see a lot of um, this type 2 pneumocyte. We see this a lot in lungs uh, in the lungs. we see this in the heart, we see these receptors in the intestines, and we see them in the kidney. So when we're looking at the deaths from this virus, what we see most commonly is that people uh, there is some type of uh, there's almost always uh, lung collapse, or the uh, pulmonary um, uh, pulmonary function has been uh, very heavily retarded, meaning that it is attenuated. We also see a lot of myocarditis or infection or cardiovascular issues as well. So these two things tend to go together. And one of the reasons why I am most concerned about this virus as it pertains to North Americans is we know that most North Americans have some sort of, well, we know that about 42 and change, I want to say 42.5, 42.7% of Americans in the U.S. are considered obese. Mm -hmm. And before my Canadians punt that, uh, you know, punt Mm -hmm. that schema to our fat cousins to the south, uh, I will offer that in 2017, uh, 64% of Canadians over the age of 18 were considered obese. So we are obese as a society. And with obesity, we know that that is very much the linchpin for most diseases, cardiovascular, hypertension, um, type two diabetes, any type of metabolic uh, derangement in terms of hormonal control, the glucose-insulin dance, etc. So this is why uh, we'll ha- we'll I'll sort of plant the seed now, and we can come back to it. There's an a, there's a, an immediate need in terms of what we need to be doing, but then there's a longer or more maybe more in an intermediate to long term question that we need to be thinking about in terms of. What? How can we take our power back? Because these are, Mm -hmm. by and large, things that we have control over, and we have a lot more control over our cardiovascular risk, hypertension, obesity, type two diabetes than I think most of us realize. So, I'll come back to that. So we have ACE2 uh, expressed in the lungs, the heart, the kidneys, the liver. Now, what happens? is a lot of these patients are on ACE2 inhibitors. So we will see patients with hypertension, type 1 or type 2 diabetes, um, on ACE2 inhibitors, or something called an ARB, which is uh, an angiotensin angiotensin receptor blocker. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now, the those have been shown to reduce inflammation in those patients. But in in particular with COVID-19, as it relates to COVID-19, what we're seeing is this can be, can, and I'm using this word very intentionally, can be a precursor to more severe complications if and when you do get infected. Because what happens when you're on these types of medications is you are upregulating the ACE2 receptor. And if you have more of that ACE2, then that gives the virus more access uh, to invade those particular cells. So, for, and, and this is not to say you need to get off these medications immediately, like right. that's not the current recommendation. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, cardiologists and medical doctors that are, their recommendations at this point is to continue the medication, but you do have to be monitoring your symptoms and staying in contact with your primary um one of the things i wanted to potentially bring up as a as a further note of uh of concern is uh in i think it was early march there was uh, some Ger- german scientists who uh wrote a paper on the tropism of coronavirus meaning like the the reason why it has been able to uh propagate and grow as fast as it has and mm-hmm. It is because, on the when you look at the structure of the virus, there is something called a furin cleavage site on the spike protein. Don't worry about what that means. Basically, mm-hmm. what that furin spike, um, sorry, the cur, uh, the furin cleavage uh, site means is that that virus is able to fuse to a variety of different cells. So we talked about the lungs, the heart, the gut, uh, and the kidneys expressing that ace2 uh, receptor site, but the other concern is that the virus can also invade other cells even that that express that low ace2 so there was a there was a report. Um, uh, that I just read, where there was from China, where they were able to demonstrate that the COVID or the SARS uh, SARS-CoV-2 was had was able to invade the central nervous system and it had caused encephalitis in or, or like inflammation of the brain um, mm-hmm. in one of their patients. So I don't say all these things to scare you, um, mm-hmm. but what I'm what I'm trying to demonstrate, hopefully in the most clear way that I can. Is that this is not the flu the we know what the flu is, right it's right. It's a terrible couple of days. You stay at home, maybe you're vomiting, maybe you're sweating, maybe you're nauseous, you lose your appetite, uh, you know your bot you know your immune system is trying to expel uh, the virus. this. What's very different about this is that for the first couple of days, uh, so the mean they're talking about five days or so now. It used to be they they were saying 12 to 14 at one point, but now it's like a mean of five days, where someone can be completely asymptomatic before they start to before they start to show symptoms, and that's not like if you have the flu, you are you maybe there's a day or two of incubation, but you are pretty sick pretty quickly and that is a good thing because your your body recognizes the invader and is mm-hmm. like just trying to expel it with this guy it's silent for the most part even though we can you know there's been some reports out of china where they have the patients were completely asymptomatic, but on chest X-ray, uh, they were already showing some of the, uh, uh, the changes in their lungs. They, you know, they take a picture of your lungs and they can see there's op- opacities in the, in the chest X-ray, even before the patients are symptomatic. So uh, this is why the social distancing um, is so important. And this is really a message for... Uh, For Florida in particular, if you are a Floridian and you are listening to this, uh, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but the the culture or the narrative in that particular state seems to be, I'm American, I'm going to do what I want, I'm in a warm place, and it's spring break, and I'm going to go there anyway. Um, But what we know is that you could be completely asymptomatic and be... transferring this to all of your friends and then later that day they can transfer it to their parents or other people or their grandparents if they're seeing them we know a lot of people especially in canada they live in you know they live in they go to florida over the over the winter time yeah so so it and they're saying that the amount of cases double
1: every Four to five days, correct, with no social
0: distancing right exactly, so that 's uh, what you 're referring to there is the r naught or the rate of spread, and what we know is if there's no uh, measures in place like social distancing it 's two to five days where the where the rate of infection can can spread because it is this particular virus is about a thousand times more virulent than the previous SARS. Um, mm-hmm. Virus, and I will also just say I didn't say this at the beginning, but I'll say this now: I'm not an infectious disease specialist. Okay, so I am mm-hmm. not. Um, I'm not an immunologist. Uh, so you know, I want you to just take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. Know that I am a very good amalgamator of information. Uh, so that is what I have been yeah. doing here. So what I am presenting is case reports. Uh, I've been I'm presenting papers that I'm reading, uh, but this does not. This podcast obviously does not replace. You know anything right. that the who is recommending or the cdc or anything like that but this is really just my effort to get information out to people especially mm-hmm. especially the the healthcare providers who are kind of shucking this off as not a big problem and in my mm-hmm. opinion at this time that is completely irresponsible and demonstrates a lack of understanding of the right. of the mechanism of action and the lethality Of it. We had, I have a a friend in in New York who uh, had COVID uh, 19. He is recovered from it now. So he is, you know, Mm -hmm. past and in incredible shape. Like he's in great shape, you know, trained athletes, all this kind of stuff. And he was mentioning, you know, before he was infected, he was able, him and his daughter were. holding their breath. Like they were having a game where like who could hold their breath the longest. And he was able to hold it for a minute and 40 seconds. And even now, even after him being recovered, he's not able mm-hmm. to hold it for six seconds, longer than six seconds. Wow! Uh, and he's in incredible shape. Yeah. Now. So this yeah. is, this is not... This is not something to be taken lightly. And for the people that are like, what about the mortality and the morbidity of it seems to be mild? When we talk about mild, you know, I I said this in the last podcast 80% of people who contract the uh, SARS CoV 2 and and become ill from it, 80% Mm -hmm. of them, about 81%, are considered mild. But what that means is you don't require hospitalization.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. That's what mild is. So, you know, we want to kind of just check in with our biases here and think about like, what does mild mean? So you could be not able to breathe. You could have heart palpitations. You could have, you know, it's like the people that I know that have contracted it and have gotten over it are reporting that it's like 10 times the severity of the flu. It is like nothing they've ever had before, even Mm -hmm. though they were previously healthy. So I just want like let's just check <laughs> let's just check our right. biases for a minute and not underestimate this. And I've had pneumonia in the past, so I um I don't know if I mentioned this in the last podcast or not, but I've had severe pneumonia to the point where I would go up the stairs and I would be winded and sleeping on either side of my you know overnight was painful for me. so I understand how like I remember when I first got over that uh, episode of like that first bad episode of pneumonia, I was like, you know I understand why these 80 year olds succumb to this. Like why? Because they don't have the, they don't have the grit. They don't have the cellular reserves to be able to get over this. So um, does that make right. sense? And we've, yeah,
1: that makes total sense. And
0: we've both worked in hospitals.
1: We both yeah. have children. I've had to go to the hospital with, you know, with a daughter with a broken foot yeah. um, who we know the hospitals, we know how busy they are. We know how overloaded they are on a yeah. good day. So doesn't that twenty percent not terrify you? If twenty percent needed hospitalization or some sort of intervention or healthcare, that's a that's a lot of that's a lot of people. If we don't really slow down this curve, like it's just yes. there's no way that we can handle that many people.
0: And I don't have stats on Canada because it is incredibly hard to find information yeah. <laughs> uh, in, about Canada. The one thing I will say about the States is you can find anything you want about uh, American statistics. So mm. uh, I, will give you an Amer- I will give you an American stat here, uh, and we can just assume that this is very similar in Canada, but I, I don't have the data for sure. What we know about, Amer- about uh, hospital beds in America, ICU beds, there's about 95,000 of them. In a country of 330 ish million, so mm-hmm. when we think about infection, when we—I th- mean, I can't—I can't do math off the top of my head, but you know, even if we—even if we assume a one uh, inf- percent infection rate, you can imagine how quickly the system is going to be overloaded, and what yeah. we've seen in Italy is. The the people are in the hallways trying to get care, and the doctors are because there's so many people that are infected at the same time. They are having to choose who gets ventilation. You know, for people that have more serious complications, they are having to choose who gets ventilation and who does not. I mean, first of all, what a like I can't even imagine having to make that call. But imagine that's your grandmother. That's like you know what we don't think that she's going to make it. You know, like just I, I. please be responsible. Uh, I know that there are many people that are already doing the right thing. They are already social distancing to the, to the degree that they can. But for those of you that may be listening that think that this is going to pass or I'm super healthy, so this doesn't concern me. Um, mm-hmm. At this point, I feel like this is you know a civic duty that we have uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a society as a whole to try and protect um, people who are most susceptible to it. I agree.
1: Yep. I totally agree. So, what else? What's, what more? Do you have more science
0: to my yeah. way? Yeah. So, the, I wanted to. So, I wanted to share the virility of the of the virus, not because I want to scare people, but just to mm-hmm. really drive this point home that this is something to be taken seriously. Now, the other side of the argument is so that's the germ, right? Mm-hmm. But what about the host? right? Because there's a reason why some people can get over it. Like I just read the, you know, there was a, in Japan, she was 103 years old. She just got over it. Um, you know, got over, she had Corona, uh, she had the COVID-19, uh, which is the disease that comes from SARS-CoV-2 and was able to fully recover from it. So what the question, and this is the intermediate term question that I've planted before, mm-hmm. there are immediate things that we can be doing. It's the hand-washing, the social distancing, but what are the intermediate or the things that we can start doing right now, but are going to take a little bit more time to implement? And this is kind of what you and I have been talking about privately in terms of how can we make ourselves the worst host possible for this virus? And. You know, we're not, I don't want, you know, this is kind of part germ theory, part host theory, but I think that there's some truth in the middle here where we think about the virility and the lethality of the germ itself, Mm -hmm. but can, you know, is it, is it contagion or is it, can we start improving ourselves as a, as a society? And I mentioned those obesity stats a few moments ago, and this is the, this is a time where you are at home for many, many people, they've either you know been laid off or temporarily laid off or they're working from home or you know they're practicing social distancing so they are they're staying in their home so this is such a beautiful time for us to reevaluate some of our priorities where we have been spending our time our focus our energy and our money and how we can maybe now move into a psychology and a physiology of empowerment and strength so, I wanted to and, and maybe you can even talk about yeah. some of the things that you 're doing as well, but I want to talk about some like lifestyle medicine, like yeah. getting back to you know the stuff that I geek out about all the time, like we can talk about nutrition, we can talk about fasting and what my specific fasting recommendations are right now, uh, exercise, which I know you 've been engaging in, you were talking about your run, and also mm-hmm. our our mindset around this because it is so easy for us to get into this fear and hysteria. Around corona and around mm-hmm. SARS CoV 2. And I think that we really do wanna be practicing things that are gonna get us into those parasympathetic states. Or, you know, as my friend Sachin uh, posted a meme uh, the other day, and it's sort of tongue in cheek, but it was, you know, survival of the calmest, right? Like, how can we yeah. be the calmest and how can we ride the wave here, but also, st- you know, engage in a new beginning for ourselves?
1: Okay. I love that. Let's just, eat. let's start with fasting. Cause my, my first thought was great. Dr. Seventy, this is the fir- best time for me to fast ever. I'm going to go on the longest fast. I don't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like this will save food in my home. And um, I'm so thankful that I said that thought out loud because you had, you had a different response for me. This is not the time that I should be going for the 72. You got it. 72 hour fast.
0: Yeah. yeah. So normally I am a big proponent of fasting. I've written, I don't know how many articles on it. I've incorporated into my nutrition programs online. For right now, we want to be thinking about fasting in two different ways. So I, whenever I talk about fasting, traditionally what I'm, what I'm referring to is a fast that lasts longer than 24 hours. I am incredibly bullish on sauna as a therapy for recovery, heart health, it's crucial for hormonal balance and achieving a state of well-being necessary for a strong physique and a strong mind. If you visit sunlighten.com slash better and use code better to get a discount that is sunlighten S U N L I G H T E N.com slash B E T T E R and use code better at checkout. So at this point, I am not recommending fasts longer than 24 hours. Now, do I have an RCT to back that up? No. Do I have any papers that suggest that fasting for longer than 24 hours is gonna increase your susceptibility to COVID-19? No. But what I am working off of is my knowledge of fasting, what happens during a prolonged fast. And what we know is that during a fast, We are, it is a stressor to the body. So, it is your cortisol levels are going to increase. It is going to be, you know, you're going to be activating. There's a lot of benefits to it, but what we, what I'm most concerned with is the cortisol rise in a longer term fast. So, Mm After the fast, of course, we know that there's all these immunological benefits. We have new uh, immune cells that are being born. We have um, uh, new native cells to tissues and organs that are being born. And it is uh, is a wonderful thing. But for right now, the type Mm -hmm. of fasting that I am recommending for people is to still engage in that daily time-restricted feeding window, or what most people would refer to as intermittent fasting. So you're Mm -hmm. still... Restricting the hours in which you eat, but you're still eating every single day. Uh, that's my recommendation for right now and for the next little while, because you're still going to get the ben- like the circadian uh, biology benefits, meaning that it is going, you're going to help. You know, you're not going to be eating right before you go to bed, so you're going to be helping with your sleep. You are going to be. Uh, Potentially fasting a little bit longer in the morning, so you're going to be getting, you're going to be able to get into that ketogenic state or that state where you are producing ketone bodies. Um, But longer fast than 24 hours are something that I would just, for for you know, and again, no RCTs, but just we want to be easy with our bodies right now. Any fast where you are restricting for 18 hours, so if you do like that 18-6 Uh, so you're eating for six hours, fasting for eighteen or or the uh, the other one would be sixteen eight, so fasting for sixteen hours, eating for eight hours you're still seeing a nice drop in insulin during that time and a nice bump in growth hormones so you're still getting a lot of those physiological benefits, but they're just not as big as when you were to do a seventy two hour fast or ninety six hour fast or whatever. So yeah, fasting, that's my recommendation for fasting. The food is, is again, this is what we talk about in the Estima diet all the time is honoring your cells with nutrient-dense foods. Mm-hmm. So I know that a lot of people have been stocking up on, on packaged goods and I'm not saying to get rid of those things, but maybe what you can do is also stock up on things like olive oil and yeah. nuts and seeds and salmon uh, you know, canned salmon and uh, mm-hmm. canned sardines and canned vegetables, like, you know, the canned uh, tomatoes and the beans and the that kind of thing, which are going to impart more health benefits than the, the, ma- the, the mac and cheese or the instant potatoes or, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. You
1: mentioned sleep a little bit too. And I know you're such a big fan of sleep. How important Is it right now to be? You know, should people be up all night? You know, playing video games or should they be getting consuming
0: news? Yeah, no. And I would thank you for bringing this up because that's actually the first place that I'd like to start with people. Is this is your home? This is the perfect time for you to be sleeping. Like, just make a little pinky promise uh, to me uh, and Major that you will sleep for eight Mm -hmm. hours every day this week. And you know people that are concerned with weight loss, like I always joke like this is the cheapest diet you can ever engage in. if you want if you if yeah. weight loss is the goal, sleeping for eight hours every single night, you will see that your you know your belly uh, if you have extra weight through the abdomen, you're going to see that your belly is going to uh, come down, you're going to see that you release water weight, you're going to have a less tendency to eat you, when you're sleep deprived, you also want crappier foods, right? It's this vicious mm-hmm. circle where when you're tired. You want more of the processed carbohydrates. When you're tired, you're less motivated uh, to work out. When you're tired, you tend to be in the area of your brain that is in more fear and more panic anyway. So Mm -hmm. I want it, you know, sleeping is like top, top, top priority um, right now. And some of the ways that you can really improve that, some of the ways that you can really get into a really great sleep is by putting hard boundaries around the amount of information that you're taking because we're all home right now. So we all have, where's my phone? Like we all have our phone. We can all be scrolling and like literally every second post is about coronavirus right now. Mm -hmm. So really just choosing maybe two or three times in the day where you go to the WHO or the CDC, or if you want to check out, uh, there's a nice map that John Hopkins uh, University has put together in terms of the amount of confirmed cases throughout the world, if you want to be checking Mm -hmm. that one, two times a day. And other than that, like that, that's it, you know? Um, because now everybody has an opinion on it. Everybody can just get on and do a Facebook live about coronavirus and it is going Mm -hmm. to overwhelm your system. Um, that is, like my number one. And even myself, because I've been like, oh my God, I got to intellectually, I got to learn about this virus. How is it? How is it so lethal? How is it so virulent? How is it like, what's the morbidity? What's the mortality? Like I also am doing that. And I have been mm-hmm. checking myself at least in the past couple days. is like, okay, I got to just bring it down a little bit. Like I got to bring down the amount of information that I'm letting in because it is affecting my sleep. It's affecting my mood. Um, and it, right. can, it can bring us into this place of helplessness and hopelessness. Yeah. And we, I mean, you know this, Major, you and I talk about this all the time. Like we have way more power than we give ourselves mm. credit mm-hmm. for. So mm-hmm. this is a wonderful time to be bringing, bringing back your, um, you know, some of these, some of these basics
1: or even just starting a sleep routine. You're here now in the evening. There's you know, you don't have a late dinner party or a meeting or a show to go to. You're home. Yeah. So start creating. If you don't have a sleep routine at night, start creating that for yourself. Map it out and then just stick to it for the next, you know, 2 weeks in a row and it's just going to become a normal part of your life after that. And then, you know, you're you're sleeping better even after we come we come out of this. So I think yeah. it's a really great time to to just take that time to figure out what works for me at night, what puts me um into that restful eight hours of sleep. Okay, so we did sleep, we did exercise. Uh no, we didn't do exercise. Are your exercise routines changing?
0: Not at all. They're exactly the same? the same. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's really so for me, I always Uh, I always work out at home. So I've created this home gym where I go down in the morning and I get my stuff in. So a lot of people now are not going to the gym. Um, and I will, there's a lot of ways that you can still get your workout at home. So I've been posting a lot of kind of home videos for people to try out on my Instagram. So you can kind of go there if you like. There's a lot of, um, you know, depending on, um, you know, your orientation, like, you know, there's yoga DVDs and videos that you can do at home. There's Pilates, there's, and you can even just use your own body weight. I mean, you have a home gym. It's, it's called your body, right? Like you can just do Mm -hmm. squats and burpees and switch lunges and push-ups. And actually, you know what I'll do? I'll, um, today I wanted to post on my Instagram, uh, I call them my kitty bell swings. So like I, I pick up Andreas and I'll literally do kettlebell swings with him. Yeah. Um because you can and I use my kids as squat weight and as push up weight because sometimes it's just it's like super fun for them to see how fast mom can can crumble onto the ground. But it's mm-hmm. also using mm-hmm. their weight as as my resistance. And the more Muscle mass you have, of course, we know the more resilient you are, the better insulin and glucose dance there is because we have a larger um, disposal you can dispose of your glucose much more efficiently and much more readily. Uh, the more muscle mass that you have, obviously, the stronger that you are, uh, the more resilient you are so training and working specifically on resistance training, and I talk about this all the time, but um, so i won 't repeat myself here, but resistance training is should be part of everybody 's um, exercise regimen. We just have to figure out like where you are and how, you know, how you can start. So check out my Instagram. I have a couple of beginner. I posted, um, it was like a, maybe a day or two ago now, um, just no weights, just like my body weight, like stepping up onto a bench or a couch, uh, you know, doing curtsy squats and, you know, dancing. Like that was my workout. So actually that yeah, was yesterday. And I'll that. tell you my butt is so sore today from, from what I did. Yeah.
1: But it's not changing, so you're. It's just you're continuing as usual. Mm -hmm. I love that. What about your supplements? What about are they changing? Are you adding anything in? Are you um, discontinuing a supplement? Are you? Is there? What are you doing with your supplements?
0: That's a good question. So I would. um, My supplementation has changed a little bit. So typically, Mm -hmm. I will take uh, an omega three. I will take collagen. Uh, I take resveratrol when I uh, eat something fatty. Uh, I take sulforaphanes. Um, What else do I take? I also, I cycle them just based on my menstrual cycle, but those are sort of the consistence and magnesium glycinate. I take magnesium glycinate like all through my cycle. Um, Mm -hmm. What's changing is I am now uh, upping my omega-3 dosage. So now I'm having two grams a day, which is high. Uh, I am Increasing my oh vitamin D sorry vitamin D mm. is the uh, other one I take relatively consistently th- through my cycle and I'm usually at about 4,000 international units a day so for I, it's a liquid vitamin D so it's four drops mm-hmm. um, I am now upping that so that is uh, between you know depending on Uh, I will just sort of squeeze the dropper. So it's like somewhere between 6,000 and 8,000 I use uh, per day. And I'm also giving that to my kids as well. So I'm giving my kids 2,000 to 3,000 international units of vitamin D per day. Uh, The other thing that I've started taking that I don't normally take is uh, N-acetylcysteine. So this, uh, and I take about a gram of that a day. So uh, NAC is is a short form, um, important precursor to glutathione, which is a, the major antioxidant in the body, but there's also some really good research around its ability to repair uh, scarring at people with history of lung issues, pulmonary issues, uh, very, very good for reducing the scarring and helping, helping to heal in there. And I can, I can pop some of those uh, studies in the show notes as well. So I've started to take that again, just a because of my history of having uh, severe pneumonia. About it was about ten years ago that I, um, that I was dealing with this, but also just as a, as a potential prophylactic. And again. There's no supplement on the planet at the time of this recording that has been shown to treat or prevent uh, coronavirus, but these are just general immune boosting things and I don't like supplement I don't like things to be complicated with supplementation like right. I just want to grab a couple of them take them and be on my way. Um, there are some people that take gobs and gobs of supplements like every day there's like forty supplements yeah. that they take and I I don't do that. So uh, the only ones I would add in, I would be upping your omega-3 if you already are not taking one. And mm-hmm. we can link in the show notes the one that I'm taking if that's, an, mm-hmm. if that's of interest. Uh, vitamin D, uh, and I like a D3 K2 blend. So I don't like D2. I like D3 and I like to pair that with a K2. And then um, the NAC, the N-acetylcysteine is the only addition to my regular supplementation routine.
1: Okay, good. We'll put those in the show notes. And your mindset—what are you doing for that beautiful mindset of yours? (laughs) Has it been challenging? Is are you
0: fluctuating between feelings?
1: Are you feeling? How are you feeling?
0: Yeah, I mean, it. For me, I am always—I love to live in my brain, and I don't like to live in my body. Like it's—it's something that I'm softening into, and I'm trying to integrate the two together. So initially. Um, and I think I mentioned this, I wasn't really paying a lot of attention to this. I thought it was just like another SARS CoV. It wasn't going to be like that big of a deal. But the amount of information that has been coming out on it, particularly in PubMed, because I've been spending hours in the research, has been challenging for me because I think when you have an understanding of the mechanism of action of the virus, you can mm-hmm. have that moment where you're like, Jesus Christ, how the hell? Did it jump from bats to humans, and how the hell are there already one hundred and three different strains identified because there are like it is it is morphing at an exponential rate, and we hope that it's going to you know uh, mutate its way out of existence I mean that's normally the the normal progression of viruses, but there's been a couple of moments where I've been really concerned and mm-hmm. really not just not not so much scared for myself, but just like concerned for humanity, you know about what all this right. really means and i've been and i've been talking to you about this privately around what my philosophy is around all of this because there're as i've mentioned very distinct camps in terms of this is a big deal versus this is not a big deal, and the people who are saying this is not a big deal are the ones that are. Focusing on the mortality rates of influenza and and so forth, but there is something to be said around the argument of making the host the most inhabitable like make like if you mm-hmm. are infected with this virus, if you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you possibly can mm-hmm. that 's not a really uh, you know friendly environment for a virus because what they want to try and do is they want to try and overtake the like they want to try and overtake your machinery so that they can continue to replicate. So um, yeah, there's been a couple of moments that have been difficult for me, but what has really been helping is um, is meditation. So I have been doubling down on my meditation practice and I typically meditate after I exercise. So I will mm-hmm. have my, so I'm getting into my body and then I go and I sit in, in and breathe into my body. So that's been Something that's been really helpful, and actually, I just remembered. If I can just mention one thing uh, mm-hmm. about the uh, about the virus, it is um, when we look at some of the complications of the virus, one of the things that we're seeing is something called ARDS or acute respiratory distress syndrome, and the protocol for this, and I've talked about this for years, and I always get blowback from physiotherapists and chiropractors who don't understand mechanics, but the, the standard protocol for someone with ARDS is to put them on their stomach because it increases capillary perfusion, it helps with diaphragmatic breathing, and they will often intubate. So if somebody, uh, if someone can't get any oxygen in, they need to intubate. They need to literally force oxygen into your body via ventilator. and sleeping on your stomach, this is another thing I wanted to bring up. This might be a good practice to start practicing sleeping on your stomach because what we're doing is we're training the diaphragm. So the diaphragm is this muscle that kind of sits underneath uh, your lungs. And when you breathe in, the diaphragm lowers to allow for expansion of the lungs. And then when you exhale, it will uh, come back up. Now, when you sleep on your stomach, you are training the diaphragm to expand um, and move caudally against your own body weight. So you are training and strengthening your diaphragm, which is going to help with your ability to breathe deeply. And the other benefit, mechanical benefit for the body is that you are now stretching out the neck because in order for you to sleep on your stomach, your head has to come up and turn to the side. And for most right. people, that's those are the first two motions that we lose. Now I've, I, I'll put the link in the show notes, uh, Why sleeping on your stomach is advantageous. And I wrote this article a couple years ago now, but it's still really relevant today, especially relevant today. Because if you are training your diaphragm to become stronger, and if you are increasing your oxygenation and your capillary perfusion uh, and your alveolar perfusion by sleeping on your stomach, then that's that's a selective advantage, isn't it? If you become mm-hmm. infected, worst case scenario, you become infected and you have these respiratory complications. Already having the integrity in the diaphragm is really important. So, um, uh, and like I said, um, sometimes I have people that are like, "It's great. You're not supposed to sleep on your stomach. It's bad for your neck. You're supposed to sleep on your on mm-hmm. your you know back with a pillow under your head." And um, yeah, that's. Uh, I don't, I don't want to sound too uh, aggressive here, but those are people that don't understand mechanics. Um, so sleeping on your stomach would be a great time to yeah. be practicing that now. And if, that's, if it's bothering your neck, then maybe what we can do once the, you know, once the pandemic has lifted is to start going to uh, body workers, uh, chiropractors, physical therapists, uh, osteopaths, massage therapists who can help uh, improve the mobility and the range of motion that you have in your neck.
1: Personally, I am very excited for my next adjustment. <laughs> and we, we're both I not do. getting adjusted right now. And I, I don't think I've spent this much time uh, sitting in a chair or in front of a laptop. Yeah. But I love the breathing. Okay, is this is a very selfish question, but I am a chronic, shallow breather.
0: Yeah.
1: Is there something that I can be doing right now that's just getting like these big, beautiful breaths? Cause I, I'm just, I'm terrible at this. So would that be better for me? Is that good for me right now? Should I be?
0: I think so. Yeah. And I think, and I'm a shallow breather by default too. If I don't yeah. think about it, I just, I just breathe in the upper, um, in the upper lobes of my lung. So we talked, mm-hmm. I did a class for, um, uh, for my tribe, uh, maybe it was last week now. And we talked yeah. about this idea of vagus nerve breathing. So mm-hmm. this is, you can do this on your back, uh, hands on your belly. And then what the instruction is here is you are going to inhale for two counts. So what you want when you're inhaling is you want your belly to be lifting. So if your hands are on your belly, you want them to be lifting up. And so this, is some, this is sometimes really difficult for women because we're always taught to like hold things in, but you want to just yeah. allow the belly to soften. You want to allow the belly to relax so that you can engage in that diaphragmatic breathing. So inhale for two counts. So one, 1,000... Two, 1,000. Hold for just a moment on the inhale. So your belly is big. You have a little Buddha belly. And then you're going to exhale for twice as long. So you're going to exhale for four, three, two, and then one. And then on the next two reps, you'll inhale. So the next time you inhale, you're going to inhale for three counts. So Mm -hmm. three, 1,000, two, 1,000, one, 1,000. Hold at the top and then you're going to exhale for double that. So now instead of exhaling for four, you're going to exhale for six. So six, five, four, three, two, one. And then the the next time you inhale for four, exhale for eight. It's a long breath cycle. That's 12 seconds, right? In for four, out for eight. So that is really forcing a lot of oxygen into the lower lobes of the lung. It's also, again, a way to um, strengthen the diaphragm. And most importantly, we are activating a nerve called the vagus Nerve. So this nerve is involved in parasympathetic function. It is the. It's a really cool nerve. It starts off at the brainstem, and it's literally called the wandering nerve because it goes and it attaches to every single organ uh, that we have in the body. And activating vagus, uh, the vagus nerve will help us get into that calm state. It perfuses your body with oxygen, which is you know a good, you know byproduct. There's no downside to that. And then it also calms you down. And this is when we are in this state of overwhelm and you're listening to the news and all they're trying to do is scare the bejesus out of you, this is a really great time for us to just sink into our bodies and get, and understand, you know, even if you're scared and you're worried, like it's okay to be those things. I'm not saying that you just have to be this, you know, perennial happy person Uh, It's okay to be scared and it's okay to be concerned. Those are normal human emotions, but get like sink into your body and actually feel what she or he uh, or it is trying to tell you. So that would be, uh, and I'm doing that every morning and every evening and I'm doing that with the kids as well. So we do our, the kids like to fall asleep with me in, uh, in the bed and they've actually moved, they've permanently moved into my bed right now. So they are sleeping with me overnight. So we mm-hmm. are doing that vagus, like that belly breathing together so I can mm-hmm. help them just also just kind of calm down and we're trying to keep things as normal. I mean, next week's going to be fun because I turned into the teacher uh, next week. So they're right. guaranteed to hate me all the time now because now not only do they have my totalitarian nutrition uh, practices but now the total you know the uh, the stalin style teacher uh mm-hmm. <laughs> I have like workbooks I've already ordered and all this kind of stuff but yeah the 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 breathing would be something that uh I would encourage you to do daily twice a day you can do it with your kids you can do it with your partner you can do it by yourself to some you know to some uh, music that you find relaxing
1: right okay so I want to know if you have anything else that you want to talk about that people can be doing right now. Cause of what I'm really excited about, and I don't know if this is just, I'm a future thinker, but um, how we can become, have you heard of doomsday preppers?
0: No. What is that?
1: Okay. So these are preppers who are fascinating and I know they're all going like, see, I told you, but they're always planning for an apocalypse. And it's always about like food and water and you know stuff that they can do to their home but what i what i love what you're talking about is how do we become like body doomsday preppers like how can we make ourselves how can we prepare for something like this happening in the future which the likelihood is probably good there now that we know that something like this can travel globally we need to be prepared so tell us tell me if you have anything else that we can be doing right now but also let's dive into how do, I, how do I train for the next possible time that this could, this could happen?
0: Yeah, so we've talked about sleep. So doubling yeah. down on sleep. Nutrition. Uh, I mean, I am a big fan of eating a carb-appropriate lifestyle. So we mm. talk about this in the Estima uh, diet. So if that's something that you want to engage in, whether it's a ketogenic diet, which you can find lots of free resources online to engage in, or if you want to come into a community like ours, uh, you can. Uh, exercising and incorporating a lot of resistance training, and I I like to think about resistance training as training your resistance, right? So this is you're not training to become good at lifting weights. You're training to become good at life because you are doing hard things, right? Like not I, when I wake up, there's not like I don't want to work out every day. Like there's some days where I have motivation, but most days I'm like, oh god, I gotta go downstairs again and do do the same thing I did yesterday but that develops grit, right? Not only the mental grit from Mm. following through on something, but it develops self-trust because you made a promise to yourself and you're following through on it. But on a Mm. cellular level, it also develops cellular grit because you are doing hard things. Um, The fasting we've talked about, the only other thing I I would actually add to this would be cold showers. Again, hard thing, something I hate. I hate to take, Mm -hmm. a. I love my warm showers, but when you do it, it is something, again, making a promise to yourself. It creates uh, resilience, mental toughness, and it also creates cellular grit as well. And if you want to think about how exactly it does that, you you can go back to my conversation with Dr. David Sinclair on sirtuin activation. Um, I forget what episode he is. I want to say 11 or 12. Um, Yeah, he's pretty early on. Yeah, pretty early on. It was around the... Uh, he has a book that I, I think is excellent called Lifespan, but he talks about this activation of these sirtuins. So when you are fasting, when you are cold, uh, you are activating these defense mechanisms that are not only designed to keep you safe in that moment, but they provide longevity benefits as well. So we know that people who don't eat all day long, um, who engage in uh, things like you know cold showers or prolonged fasting, they tend to live longer. Uh, so, these are some things that I would be encouraging people when we're thinking about, you know, doomsday, like body doomsday preparation. It's mm-hmm. about getting back to some of these foundational basics sleep, exercise, fasting, proper nutrition. Of course, community is also a really big part of that, which we haven't uh, talked about yet, but th- these are all really basics to health. And I think that that is how you make yourself an inhabitable host. That is how you make yourself not a really desirable to the virus. Or if you are infected and you do have uh, symptoms, your resilience, like the ability for you to draw on the reserves that you've already created are going to be much greater. It's like, it's like a bank account, right? If you continue to put money into it, when you need to make a withdrawal, there's more money to take out. It's the same kind of. Thing So I would say cold showers. And if you have never taken a cold shower, you don't have to do the whole thing cold. You can just the last 30 seconds to a minute, just turn off mm-hmm. the heat. Pretend like you're jumping into a lake because that's the only way that yeah. I was able to kind <laughs> of get myself so I, to do I it. do
1: yeah. Scandinavian spa. <laughs> have you ever been to one of those where you do the circuit? So it's like the hot pool not and the steam room. Yeah. And then yeah. you go under. The, so I'm just like, I'm at a Scandinavian spa right now and blasting myself with this cold water.
0: Yeah. The only other thing I would uh, add, and what I have been doing, and I'm a big essential oil fan, is I have been diffusing um, things that are known to to shunt cortisol. So I have grapefruit uh, diffusing in my bedroom overnight. Uh, right now, just off to the side of this camera, I am diffusing Douglas Fir, which is... Um, Uh, like a scent. It smells like a tree. And of course we know that because we're indoors so much, we actually don't get to Mm -hmm. have that scent anymore. So it's also very, um, it perfumes the air. It helps me with my anxiety. And uh, that would be the only other thing. Um, But that's more of a secondary after you get like the sleep, the food, the exercise uh, on on point. I love
1: that. Are you guys doing anything creative, creative around the house? Well, I
0: think you are. I think I saw on social.
1: There's some music. There's some live music going on in your home right now.
0: Yeah, we. um, Yesterday was a funny day. We were. I had to take a break from all the data. So what I did was, um, I started watching. uh, uh, Chris Martin from Coldplay had done a. He just decided to do this thing called together at home. So he just popped on Instagram and was like, just tell me any song you want and I'll play it for you. And he was doing that. And then Giovanni was like, you know, I'm so inspired by this guy. I am going to play some piano. So I, I took a video of him doing it. So there was piano uh, in the home. Uh, there was, we are all, we always play music and I'm trying to keep things as normal for the kids as possible. So in the morning when we wake up or at the end of my workout, I will typically play, there's a couple of songs that they really love. So I'll play those songs and then we'll, we'll dance to them. Um, next week is when I start homeschooling. So that is when right. my creative juices are really going to be tested. I have work books and worksheets that I have um, ordered in terms of like math and stuff, but I'm trying to think of ways that I can play games with them in terms of like learning French or even just math games. I'm, I'm still, I don't have, I don't have any, anything concrete yet, but, um, uh, like there's one thing I'm thinking of doing for French, which is, um, have you ever played that game with your kids where you say one word and then they say one word and then you say, one, and you're trying to create a sentence. Mm, yeah, that's be no, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah so i'm um, doing that with french so i'm going to try and get them to create a sentence where i'm i will i might say Je, meaning i and then they might say pense, you know think and then i might say another, and then we're just trying to we're just trying to create um games like that and it's going to be I was
1: like, my sister taught herself german and the way that one of the ways that she did it was she had a label maker and she put all different words and she labeled everything in her apartment with the German word. So I could see like the kids, you can make all these little like paper, like the French words for things, and then have them place it around, uh, around the space. But that's, that's amazing that you're doing the homeschooling. It's just jumping right in. And (laughs) um, uh, do you know how many hours a day you're going to do it with them?
0: We've come up with a schedule, so the uh, the hours I'm not sure because I am not a really big yeah. fan of just like one hour of math mm-hmm. and break, then one. Because what I find, mm-hmm. especially with my older uh, son, is once he gets into something, like he's into it. So I almost want to yeah. get him into that flow state, and then he can go as long as he needs to. And then when he needs a break, then we'll go into an activity. So then we'll get into like I have basketball stuff, bikes and toys and stuff that they can just run around outside. Um, with because I'm a really big, like really big on activity and then learning because we're waking up the frontal lobe, waking up the motor cortex. Um, There's a really great book called Spark uh, around education that um, uh, around including uh, activity that has been really foundational for me in terms of how I raise my children, but uh, very important in terms of um, how I'm going to structure this homeschool. And, um, right. one of my mentors, you know, uh, Dr. Michael Hall, you know, one of his famous mm-hmm. lines around children, especially boys is like with boys, you got to run them into a gra- run them into the ground. And then when they wake up again, you know, when they get up, you run them into the mm-hmm. ground again. Uh, mm-hmm. so that's what we're trying to do with the kids. So maybe, I don't know if I could put a number on it, maybe six, seven hours, something like that.
1: Wow. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned community, which I think is always important but right now and we're lucky because we get to be you know on a lot of zoom calls with a lot of different people but yeah. some people don't have that in their lives um on a regular basis so but i've been seeing People do some pretty creative things online. There, I got invited to a Friday night da- like Zoom dance party. People are having dinner parties online. You know, people are I
0: saw that. Yeah, I saw. One of my my friend Emily did that. She had a dinner party, yeah. a Zoom dinner party, which I thought was really great. Yeah, um, how great! Yeah, I've always I wanted
1: to have a dinner party, and like, you, you, there's zero cooking involved. <laughs> you just said you just said <laughs> <a> Zoom room. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I think. The social distancing is important Mm -hmm. right now, but that doesn't mean isolation, right? So, Mm -hmm. we want to be physically distant from people, but we still want to be connecting. And this is especially true for our older, our elderly uh, population. So, uh, we had uh, James Maskell on the podcast who talked about the power of community. And this is a way for us to become innovative in terms of how we communicate with people. So, uh, for example, today we are FaceTiming. Uh, the kids' grandparents, like they have an iPhone um, and we're going to be FaceTiming them. So they get to see their grandparents, get to talk to them. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would encourage anybody who, you know, has to stay away from grandparents or has to, you know, who is social distancing to get on like a FaceTime, like get on, you know, a call would be like the bare minimum, but most of us have Mm -hmm. smartphones. You can do video conferencing from your phone or from your computer uh, FaceTime. If you have an iPhone, these things are really, really important now more than ever. And I love the creativity. Like I love the idea of a dinner party and you don't mm-hmm. have any of the cleanup, right? You just have, you cook for yeah. yourself and then you get to see and chat to everybody, which I think is, which is lovely. Mm.
1: Oh, I loved our talk today. This is amazing. Do you
0: have anything else that you,
1: any more, cause I know you've been doing a lot of reading. Um, is there anything, anything else that you want to add into? This conversation,
0: yeah, it's been said before, but I I think it's worth mentioning again. Um, washing your hands and being very mindful of the things that are coming into your home right now. So I asked my kids yesterday because I'm trying to get them to wash their hands like in the morning, before and after every meal. Uh, you know, if they've been touching their you know devices because I'm letting them have a little bit more devices right now. Um, they we have to wipe down the devices and all that. So I said to um, I said to my kids like. I want you to imagine that you are putting your hands in like the grossest thing possible. Mm. Like, how well would you wash your hands? And I said to my younger son, Sebi, I said, what's like the grossest thing you can put your hands into? And he was like, diarrhea, farts, and poo. And I said, okay. <laughs> so you have to imagine that you just put your hand in that. And I said to my nine year old, I'm like, okay. And you like, what's the grossest thing? And he was like, poo boogers, and blood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so... I want you, the listener, to imagine, maybe those are not the three things that are the yes. grossest things for you, but what is the grossest thing you can imagine putting your hands into? And how would you wash your hands afterwards? Yes. So like 20 to 30 seconds, getting into all those little crevices, you know, that would be my last sort of parting words is like hand washing like a maniac and disinfecting. So we are not even right now, any Amazon packages, we are opening them outside. And then disinfecting the box, disinfecting everything before it even comes in so it can't be airborne. So that would be my last sort of parting wisdom is hand washing. Um I love that.
1: I'll yeah. tell you the adult version. This is the adult version. It's imagine you had to chop 10 jalapenos, yes. you know, for this fake dinner party that you're that you're having over Zoom. Yes. And then you had to take your contact lenses out. Ooh. How well would you wash your how well would you yes. wash your hands in that? Yeah.
0: Perfect. All right. So I hope that this has been really yeah. useful um, uh, mm-hmm. for the listener. Uh, and I hope mm-hmm. that I've been able to persuade some people to really not only understand the mechanism of action with the disease, but also how we can be moving forward. How can we be bigger, better, stronger? I feel like I'm saying like a mm-hmm. Kanye West song here, but like yeah. faster, better, you know, uh, how we can really rise from this. And answer the question how can i be the best version of myself metabolically physiologically psychologically you know from a psychological perspective as well because these are really this this virus at least for me has been i've been questioning questioning everything everything that i do what mm-hmm. i believe what i don't believe um mm-hmm. so i think that this is a, an opportunity for us to emerge or, emerge as you know the biggest baddest versions of ourselves Amazing. Thank you so much for taking this time with me today. Can't wait for the next one. Can't wait for the next one. I can't
1: wait to see you. Yeah, I know. Soon, (laughs) soon. I love you. Thank you so much.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast, And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship form and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Asima and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.